You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Five Golden Questions, a combo podcast between Locked On Warriors and the Warriors Huddle Podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg, the host of Locked On Warriors. This is Bram Hillsman, the host of Warriors Huddle. And this is basically what we do. We have five pressing questions dealing with the Golden State Warriors. Well, for the most part. Um, So, Bram, we're going to talk through a few different things. We're going to talk about some free agent additions that the Warriors can make, some possible trade ideas, some crazy hypotheticals, and then we're going to get into some weird, crazy questions that we've prepared. So um, the first one, though, is... The Warriors just hired a couple new coaches, Kenny Atkinson, the former Nets head coach, and then um, Jama Malala, uh, the Toronto Raptors assistant coach, who is a pro at player development. Your initial thoughts, your takeaways from these coaching hires, Bram? I like it for both general and specific reasons. So if we start with general, the downside of having the same coaching staff for seven years, because Kerr joined these guys back in 2014, is that even if what you are saying is right, if the message that you're communicating is on the money, it's possible that after hearing it over and over again, the players start tuning it out. And one of the easy ways to keep the message fresh or at least, you know, keep these guys involved is to add new faces, add new voices. And that's exactly what they're doing. So just generalized, I like that a lot. Specific, there's two guys I really like out of this. Um, the big name, Wes, Kenny Atkinson, right? Head coaching experience with Brooklyn, ran kind of a similar motion offense uh, while he was over there. I did a little bit of research. Sounds like he's good with personalities, although that goes both ways because it also sounds like he may have been run out of Brooklyn uh, when KD and Kyrie joined up there. But the guy I'm excited for is – and help me with pronunciation. I'm terrible on this. But Dihan Milovic, he's yeah. the guy he coached. Nikolai Jokic uh, back in the Serbian league. But the thing that really caught my eye, and for those listening, check this out. Milovic used to play in the Serbian league and in about 15, 16 years ago was a part of one of the nastiest brawls I've ever seen in my life. They were playing a team that Boban used to play for. And Milovic is on the bench. The brawl seems to be coming to an end. And he comes out of nowhere throwing haymakers is this unbelievable disruptive force. And if he's going to bring that kind of fire to James Wiseman, Wes, I'm here for it. That's exactly what we need is like riotous fire. So I like it, dude. I'm, I'm on board for these hires. Yeah, I think these hires are home runs. I really like the Jama Malala hire. Uh, people who I talk to who know Toronto say that that guy is a slam dunk hire and it's an absolute steal for the Warriors. Uh, you look... I think you talk about the guy that coached, you know, Nikola Jokic. All right, he's obviously skilled and experienced in coaching big men, right? And obviously being a former big man himself. Malela is more of, from what I understand, a kind of a skills guy, right? And it, he was he was really big in sort of shepherding Fred Van Vliet and turning him from undrafted free agent to, you know, high-level starting point guard uh, who signed a, just signed a huge contract. Kenny Atkinson, really, really strong from developmental perspective ultimately was ran out of Brooklyn because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant just simply didn't want him there. They wanted a former player. They wanted Steve Nash, right? Like, that, that's their—that's the guy they wanted. I don't think it had anything to do specifically with Atkinson. Um, and you look at the guys that he was able to turn into good players, like Karis LeVert, uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, you know, Ro- uh, Rodion's Kuruks, Jared Allen, like all these guys that he was able to develop, and then Brooklyn was able to turn around and trade those guys for James Harden, right? That's important. That's another part. Like player development is a whole lot of things. You could turn you could turn players into assets, and all of a sudden you're able to get uh, uh, even better players in return for them. So I think that these are great hires. The point I was making when we were trying to deal with the Wi-Fi technical issues was over the last few years the Warriors have made a uh, made it a point to hire guys who specialize in player development. And I think that's a recognition, and it's it's doubling down on that mission statement of being the next San Antonio Spurs, right? Because 
a lot of what the Warriors want to do if they want to be the next Spurs is not going to be the home run swing for a superstar every four years, right? It's going to be developing guys like Jordan Poole and Juan Descano-Anderson and James Wiseman and all these types of guys and turning them into high-level starters. And and you've got your superstars and Steph and Draymond and, and Clay. They don't they don't need any more development, right? They've got it handled. Steve Kerr has the pulse on all of them. He'll handle that. It's getting the most out of those other guys that Steve Kerr needs to do. And I don't think that that's Steve's strong suit is player development, right? He's more of the, the ego management, the ethos, the, the kind of camaraderie and all that kind of stuff, setting the tone for the organization. But all these other guys, that's going to be really important in getting the, the Warriors into that kind of consistent perennial playoff team that they want to be. I think you hit the nail on the head. I would have preferred if you talked a little bit more about riot experience, but you know, outside of <laughs> Haymaker Throne, of course you're right. I think if we asked Steve Kerr, he would tell us that player development is not necessarily a skill set that he has. And I think he would admit that that player development skill is going to be crazy important to this Warriors roster. I mean, even if we see Clay come back as Clay, and even if Steph continues to be the mercurial star that he was last year, we still need big steps. And you name the guys from both Wiseman and Poole. That's got to happen internally. Um, mm-hmm. And if these guys help... Yeah. Well, you know... We got this question from Thomas in the in the in the chat here. He says, "Do you think these player development hires may indicate that the Warriors are planning to keep the players drafted at seven and fourteen? I think that they're prepared to keep the players that they drafted seven and fourteen, but I don't know that that it's a indication that they are absolutely keeping those players because of what we were just talking about. There's other guys on this team that need development. There's an understanding that from a macro view, developing." this bench and developing players, even like Andrew Wiggins, right? Like that's all going to be part of getting the Warriors to where they want to go. Um, and whether that's includes the seventh and the 14th pick or not, I think player development is still going to be really important. Um, okay. well, and I mean, we, yeah. the, this, this title window, even if we are able to extend it or add to Steph and Draymond and clay, there's still going to be a future, you know, three, four years from now, regardless of how successful those three, four years have gone, where right. we're going to need to develop young players, right? And so yep. if there are people out there now, um, Monty Poole wrote an article recently talking about these hires. And the thing that stuck out to me, the angle I hadn't thought about, was how much money he presumed they paid for him. He didn't have the contracts in front of him, but he knew how long these assistant coaches had been playing. Kenny used to be a head coach. And what he, he likened them to is when the Warriors went out and signed people like Jerry West, when they were willing to come out of pocket for people in the front office or for people on the bench. So if that's what this means, if that's what that signifies, let's go. You know, we, we've all been pissy to the shows the Warriors want to spend money on that side again. Yeah, and if they basically hired Malala away from Toronto to do the same job, you would imagine if it's not a promotion in title and it's a promotion in salary, right? Yes, so yeah. That exactly makes right. a lot of sense. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are on, and even though the Warriors aren't a part of it, you can be. Take a look at the spreads, money lines, over-unders, and more at BetOnline. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, moving on to our next question. What ring-chasing veteran free agents do the Warriors have a realistic shot at? And Bram, I understand you prepared a list. Yeah, okay. So I was fired up for this one, right? So the, the general idea, and you and I have talked about it. We talked about it last week. Why are we so excited for next year? Why are we so excited for what Steph did last year? The idea is hopefully we are now one of these coastal cities that ring chasers want to come to us, you know, so that we can start getting players on the cheap. And that recipe, by the way, was a very important part of the Warriors dynasty. You know, people like D West, people like Livingston, even Andre to an extent, guys Mm -hmm. who wanted to join us, not for the money, but they were willing to take less to try to go after more. And so I think that could happen. But then when you start talking to people, 
I have no idea who the people who are actually available. Yeah. And you are much better at the heartbeat of both the players and the team, whether or not they would consider it, whether or not the team would want them. So here's what I've done. Matt. I've got 12 names of free agents. Some of them are a little optimistic. Some of them are a little ridiculous. I'm going to go through an initial sweep, give you a name. You tell me if the player would consider it. If, you know, the ones that you think I'm being ridiculous on, we won't even pursue. And then we'll sweep back through the ones you think the players would consider, figure out whether or not the uh, the Warriors would be on board. I'm going to start with... Well, before, before we start the list, uh, I want to make two points. Um, Please. Because I love where this is going. And you know this. I think you made this question just for me because you know I love this stuff. Yeah, exactly um, right. But... Uh, the first one is, you're absolutely right. The Warriors are a coastal elite team, and that is probably the biggest revelation. Like, you know, they were always in the Bay Area. They, well, after Philadelphia. But they were always in the Bay Area. They they were always in the, you know, in Silicon Valley, had a big deal with them, you know, getting guys like Andre Iguodala, who wanted to be part of that scene and all that kind of stuff. But, off, but obviously, Steph and Clay and Draymond and everybody starting to win and having a superstar, that starts to attract people uh, and veteran, you know, ring-chasing vets. The one thing I will say is that when the Warriors were during their dynasty, they were kind of the only coastal elite city that was also good at basketball, right? Because you think back to that those dynasty years, the Lakers were still waiting for LeBron and Anthony Davis. The Clippers were still irrelevant, mostly, right? Uh, even with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, and like, nobody cared about them. Um, the, both New York teams were bad, right? Brooklyn was rebuilding. Wait, you know, uh, uh, kind of developing the guys we were just talking about. The Knicks were irrelevant. Miami was rebuilding after their own big three era and all these things. But now you look, and Miami is two years away removed from making the finals. They were in the playoffs this year. Both of the New York teams were in the playoffs this year. The Lakers and the Clippers are title contenders. And so the Warriors are going to have a lot more competition for these guys who you're about to list off than they ever have during the Steve Kerr, Steph Curry era. Like, they'll, 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 they'll never have been more competition. And there will now. So that's point one. The second point that I wanted to make is that what we're talking about realistically that the Warriors can use to get these guys is the mid-level exception, which is about $5.9 million for a tax-paying team like the Warriors, or a veteran minimum contract. So those are the points that I wanted to make before we launch into the list. And perfect setup for this. So you're right, dude. I did put this together for you. I do think that this is perfect for you. And I think it's perfect for you for three reasons. One, I know you're good with numbers, and I know you're good with the, the salary slots. Two, you're good with offsetting me. You know, like I, I'm going to be wildly <laughs> optimistic, and you might bring us back the other way. But three, and this I don't know if it's a good thing, but it's just kind of a like wayward point. There's a good chance at the end of the segment I'm going to hate you. I kind of hated that explanation you just gave us. <laughs> so just be ready. Just be ready to destroy our friendship, Wes. It is what it is. What I have is 12 names. Um, some I think the Warriors slam dunk could get. Some I think, you know, pie in the sky, absolute impossibility. The thing that these guys have in common is that they will all be free agents next year. Um, here's my first name for you, Carmelo Anthony. I don't even think I have to explain that he would. So right now, just tell me if the player would be available. We'll go back and decide whether or not the Warriors would want him. But would yeah. Carmelo be willing to, uh, to join the Warriors? I, I think it's a no-brainer, yes. So Carmelo Anthony wants to play in the NBA. He's not retiring, right? We, we have no indication that he's going to retire because that's also one of the possibilities for Melo. Uh, who knows what's happening in Portland right now? They need to shake something up, and they need to improve that defense. And God knows Melo's not helping them. The Warriors are the opposite, right? They've got a great defense. They need to fix some things on offense. Melo could theoretically help them. Now, Wait, so you're breaking my you're breaking my entire my carefully structured thing here. You're just is he willing to join us? We'll go back and talk about whether or not uh, he'll like the the Warriors want him. Does Carmelo want the Warriors? I think Melo would be very excited to play with a guy like Steph and Draymond. I think that's right up his alley. And he's probably pissy that his boy CP3 is in the finals. Right? Wouldn't mind making yep. a a splash. I'm going to put an X. We'll we'll come back to him. All right. Here's a guy who's probably too optimistic. I'm going to throw him out here anyways. Wes Jarrett Allen. Here's my pitch, just before you tell me no. Uh, you know, obviously, he would help the Warriors. Young center, does a lot of the things that we would need. He is never the, – the pitch to him is you've never had the kind of exposure that playing here would be. Everyone gave up on you. You were a throwaway part of that KD trade. Let's show the world what you can do and make money down the line. Could we convince him to consider it? Well, he's a restricted free agent. So even if the Warriors signed him to some sort of cap sheet – the Cavaliers would have the option to match. 
What I would ask you is, would you be willing to trade James Wiseman straight up for Jared Allen? Yeah. No, I would not. And that's probably what it would require. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I take him off the list. Next guy I have, Nicholas Batum. Tried mm. this, right? We know he'll do it. He tried it in L.A. Um, didn't really work out there. They may want to run it back. Would he be willing to join us? I think he would, depending on what happens with the Clippers. Uh, the Warriors thought they had a good chance at Nick Batum. They really did. And then the Clay Thompson injury happened. And then Batum signed with the Clippers. That's what the Warriors think. I don't know how close Batum really was. But they thought they really chased him hard, and that's why they ended up getting guys like Kent Bazemore and Brad Wanamaker instead because their first choice was Batum. So they would love him. There's obviously – they've registered interest in Batum before. You would imagine that Batum's interest is is reciprocated in some capacity. So, yeah, I think he'd be interested. I'd be on board for that. All right, here's a name I'm really excited for. Um, and if I'm being honest, I'm expecting you after I say this to be like, oh, my God, how come I haven't thought of it? Like why isn't this – Big news. So be ready. Be ready to pat me on the back. J.J. Redick. Never <laughs> re- we need shooting. He's in the right age group. He's never really had a shot to shine. It was unceremonious what happened to him in New Orleans. He's kind of just hanging out there, right? He's made enough money over his career where I think he'd consider it. Could we approach him and make him a ring chaser? you think he'd consider Golden State? I mean, you put J.J. Redick with the greatest three-point shooter of all time and Steph Curry. Let's go. Her reference. I, uh, I understand. Are you explaining your jokes to me? I, I get. I mean, just because I didn't fall over laughing, I did, I enjoyed the joke. You usually give me the courtesy fake laugh. Um, I, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> you ready? I'll. I mean, I can do it again. You're right. I, that, the whole Wi-Fi thing in the beginning threw me off, Wes. My apologies. Yeah. I'm just. No, no, I'm just I finding think, myself now. Gage, I think the idea for JJ Redick, the idea of joining the greatest shooter of all time and Steph Curry. Nothing. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, no, no. You didn't hear me before. It was the Wi-Fi again. It was the Wi-Fi took me right down. But yeah, we're there. <laughs> um, I think that would be appealing to him, even though we hear that he wants to go back to like the East Coast. But um, I think even the only team that he probably would want to join, I don't know, maybe the Lakers too, because we all know like the kind of opportunities that LeBron creates for three-point shooters. Yeah, Those are probably right. the two teams that I think Redick would would consider as the Lakers and the and the Warriors. All right, I got three more names for you um, so that we can dig into the ones we've already identified. And I've, I do, I have more on my list, but I'll tell you what, I'll save a few of them for next week. Here's another interesting one. Um, the name is Goran Dragic. I like him. Mm-hmm. I like his skill set, you know, scoring off the bench. I don't know if they'd be able to actually get him to consider it uh, because Miami culture, what that means, you know, and, and he's been there for – as long as he has. What do you think? They have a shot at him? Well, Dragic is a team option, and the, and, and the Heat are at a weird spot. They, so if they if the Heat think that they have a shot at a guy like Kyle Lowry or somebody like that, then they could let Dragic walk and then go sign that player, right? So the Heat are – they have a couple of guys with team options, Andre Iguodala included, right, where they can let those guys walk and then they can create some cap space, or they can keep those guys and operate as an over-the-cap team. So it really depends on what Miami wants to do. That said, um, if Dragic does become available, I think it would be a home run for the Warriors. I think it's an obvious fit for both sides. I think if Golden State can offer Dragic like a three-year, you know, five, like at the mid-level exception, or I guess you can only offer two years. I'm not exactly sure how the mid-level exception works, but whatever that they can offer, if they can offer that him the maximum of what they can offer, I think it would be a no-brainer for both sides. You know, I, I think Dragic would be interested. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I feel like he would fit into the culture. Here's the last name I'll give 100%. you for this week, and then I'll ask you to, to order them for me, what, do you, what we actually think we can make done. But this name has become really popular recently. I'm sure it's a name that everyone was expecting towards the top of the list. Kevin Love, you know, he has been disappearing in Cleveland. He's got a skill set that interested us Enough. I, I talked into a Mike years ago, Wes, and suggested that they trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. So, you know, my history with this guy is spotty. I'm not proud of it, um, but I think he's available now. Do you think K Love would be interested in coming out here? Uh, It'd be a I buyout, think... right? They'd have to buy him out, which, I mean, it hasn't happened right. yet, but it sounds like it could happen. Yeah, I talked about this on Lockdown Warriors earlier this week. If I'm Draymond Green, that's my target in the Olympics. And I understand that every Warriors fan wants Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, whatever. Those are pipe dreams. If it happens, it happens. But Kevin Love is absolutely attainable. And 
I do believe that Kevin Love saw what happened with Blake Griffin and Brooklyn and said, you know what, let me negotiate a buyout. I'm going to be so much happier if I'm competing for a championship elsewhere. I think that the Warriors would be very, very high up on his list. He had nothing but good things to say about Draymond Green uh, about the, during the Olympics. He even said, I think we would complement each other really well. I think you could start Kevin Love at center with Draymond Green at power forward and have a, a really strong offense. I think Kevin Love could do enough for you defensively, and the rest of that team kind of covers up some things, in, uh, some holes in his game. But uh, I think Kevin Love would absolutely be interested in that. And that would be my number one target if I'm the Warriors this offseason is Kevin Love. Scott, I mean, it turns out, I'd like, instead of making me dislike you, it made me find you really funny and incisive. <laughs> that, that thing really went in the right direction for us, Wes. So here's the names we've identified so far. I'll keep these other names in pocket for a future episode. But it's Carmelo Anthony, Nicholas Batum, J.J. Redick, Goran Dragic, um, and Kevin Love. You know, let me give you one more just because it's, it's popping off my list. What do you think about Paul Millsap? Is it yeah. done for him? You know, like, it did, did what we see as the rotting corpse of his career end in OKC? Is there still something left and he just, you know, he needs to be motivated a little bit? Give me, give me a, a quick Millsap taste. I love Millsap as a player. He was always like the mini Draymond Green, especially when he was with Atlanta. Um, I think what he's done for Denver was good. Uh, I would expect Denver just to re-sign him at something very cheap. But um, if he were an unrestricted free agent, he would be a name I would consider if I were the Warriors. But I don't know what kind of space you have for him, plus Draymond, plus Juan Descano-Anderson. Millsap would have been a lot more interesting to me like three or four years ago. But at this point, I just he's a little over the hill. You mean when he was still actually playing competitive basketball? Um, That's right. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. But unlike most protein bars, it actually tastes good and it's good for you. Built Bar is great for health-conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and they have plenty of delicious flavors available now. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. My favorite flavor lately has been salted caramel, and I use, I, I tend to lean towards the fruit that are covered in chocolate, like raspberry and orange and strawberry, but I, like I said, I'm loving that salted caramel right now. Satisfies my sweet tooth craving. I'm, I've been trying to keep leaning in, you know, lock in my diet, but every once in a while, you just have a sweet tooth craving, and that salted caramel built bar helps me with that, and if you don't have a favorite flavor yet, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two each of nine flavors. Not only is Built Bar the best pro- best tasting protein bar, but it's healthy too. Check out the macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180 grams, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off on your next order. Again, Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so I'm going to combine the two questions together and go through the names, right? So on a scale, I'm going to give you each name. Give me on a scale of 1 to 10. Right. 1, the chances of him coming here are 0. Both teams say F you. Agent hangs up. Bob Myers hangs up. It goes nowhere. 10, the second that the front office hears about it and the agent hears about it, they're on board. The contract's right. already signed. Done deal. All Lightning right. round. First guy, Carmelo Anthony, 1 to 10. What do you think? 8. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say seven, seven and a half, and I yeah. think the interest will be more on Carmelo's side than the Warriors. Next name, yeah. Nicholas Batum. 8.5. Ooh, that makes me optimistic. Um, I'll follow you. Let's say the, say the exact same, and I think it's mutual interest, both sides. All right, this one I'm nervous for. J.J. Redick, I'm just going to try to hedge you, try to punk you into a high number. I'm going to go 8.5 for him, too. I think both people are going to be interested, and it just makes sense. 6.3. Yeah, did I? Would it have been like a 5 if I hadn't done the whole 8.5 thing? <laughs> no, actually, I think I'm going lower just to spite you. Yeah, you are a terrible person. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, tell me a little bit more about that one because it's the one I'm excited for. I mean, chances are that that doesn't go down from you – know, and I know we're just starting to think about it now, but what would the concerns be? Why no Reddick? I think the concerns for Reddick would be that he very it, – it very much sounds like he wants to – that the city matters for him and he wants to be back on the East Coast. And I, that's just – that's not any reporting on my end. That's just reading reports from other people. And the other thing, too, is there's really not – 
a great role for him in Golden State. He's going to be just another shooter kind of coming off the bench for this team. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a starting job somewhere, more minutes somewhere else. And then for the Warriors, there are, I think, as much as you like his shooting. And he's got he's even a better playmaker than people give him credit for. I think there's concerns defensively. Okay, can we really play a closing lineup of Steph and J.J. Redick and Clay Thompson coming mm. off of these two injuries? I think that that's a question. It's probably not a home run fit for the Warriors, and it would probably cost them their full mid-level exception, and I don't know if it would be worth it for them. Last two, Gordon Dragic. I go low on him. Three, four. I don't, I don't think it's a realistic option. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, I just think that ultimately the, the Heat try to bring him back. And how about finally Kevin Love? I'm going to go 9.7 on that. Oh, I think that's, I think that's extremely realistic. He's exactly what the Warriors... Like Bob Myers would do laps and cartwheels in the office if Kevin Love agreed to sign for the mid-level exception or something less, and they negotiated a buyout. The thing is, I don't think that this would happen. I don't know what would happen over the offseason. It probably would happen at the beginning. It, may, it might begin. In, it might happen at the beginning of the year. Like who knows? It just depends on how long the negotiations for a buyout last, right? It's not right. as simple as, hey, buy me out, Cleveland. And Cleveland's like, all right, cool. Like it takes a while. We saw that with the Blake Griffin situation. Um, that said, I think there's two teams that are going to be very much, or three teams. I should say, there's three teams that I expect to pursue Kevin Love, the Lakers because of LeBron James connection. The Warriors and the Heat. Uh, we and the Heat and the Warriors both have representatives with the Olympic team, and all those quotes that you heard Kevin Love talk about with Draymond Green said the same stuff about Bam Adebayo, and Bam Adebayo said the same thing, and Bam Adebayo and Draymond Green are very similar types of players. So it really just depends, I think, on which one of those pitches Kevin Love wants to hear out. Kevin Love could play power forward, his more natural position in Miami where in Golden State, he would probably start at center or have to come off the bench. So that would be the one thing. But I think it's oh. very, very, very likely that Kevin Loves ends up at in either Miami or in San Francisco. I feel like you use that as an opportunity to recruit Kevin Love towards the heat, which I don't appreciate at all. I mean, like I just yeah, I thought that this was a collaboration and that felt much more like a, a push towards the Miami heat, although I think your analysis is right. And I'll just add, if you're Kevin Love and you look back on the nasty experience he had in Cleveland where he became a corner shooter with LeBron, that was the skill set that LeBron thought that he was important for. I don't know if he's rushing back to L.A., you know? I mean, maybe, right. maybe he will and he can see the opportunity. But it didn't look like he was having the most fun on earth when he was playing alongside James. No, and, and but who knows, right? We've seen We've seen players play with LeBron and then get back with LeBron. Like, we've seen it time and time again. So I, I would just... I would probably put the Lakers as a distant third on that list, but I think he, they would be on the list if, if Kevin yeah. Love had one. Um, Tobin Anderson writes in on the chat, do you think players want to come play for Steve Kerr? He doesn't seem to be talked about in high regard around the league like he once was. Perhaps players have soured on him due to his ongoing public commentary and feud with Kevin Durant. I'll say this, and it was a point that I wanted to make earlier. Steve Kerr is not... I, 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 we talked about Steve Kerr, not his strength not being in player development. But players do want to play for Steve Kerr because he creates the environment for them to develop. So to, to, to be even clearer about that, um, Steve Kerr, from a skills perspective, he's not a guy that's sitting down with players and coaching them through things and, and improving their skills. But the environment he sets up allows, makes players feel safe and allows them to explore the boundaries of their game and eventually grow within those outside of those boundaries, right? And I've heard that from time and time again from players from Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Burks and every rookie and Jordan Poole, James White, all these guys. They talk about Steve Kerr in glowing terms. I do believe that. Look, there's a certain segment of player that probably doesn't want to play for Steve Kerr, right? Like that's that's the case for every player. Like, there's a lot of players who don't want to play for Greg Popovich or Eric Spolstra, right? Like you talk about like those are the three longest tenured coaches in the league. And there are players that don't want to play for those guys. So not every player wants to play for Steve Kerr. But I believe that, in general, a lot of players do want to play for Steve Kerr. And I, I think you can say, I mean, this is conjecture, but it's educated conjecture. You look from the outside, that team looks happy most of the time. You know, now we've had instances, the year when they, they went back to a 19-win team, did they look like they were joyful? No, but there's real obvious reasons for that. At the yeah. end of the KD uh, residency? Did they look happy all the time? No, but again, there was kind of a wet blanket on the team. We understood that you know there were some other internal things that had nothing to do 
with Kerr. Generally speaking, looking at this team, even during last year's 15-5 and five stretch to close the year, they look like they enjoy each other. That's not an easy thing. That's that's a magical thing for a coach to be able to put together. And I, you know, I, I just want to make sure we don't lose that because it's a it's a skill set that he brings to the table. A lot of other mm-hmm. coaches don't. Absolutely. All right, I got a question for you, Bram. Let's go. Would you trade the seventh and fourteenth overall picks for fifteen million dollars in cap space? Now, obviously, the Warriors can't do that, but this is just a hypothetical. Would you trade the 7th and 14th picks in this draft for $15 million of cap space that the Warriors could just go ahead and use and add to this roster as it's constructed? So when you texted me this question, I had an impulse answer. It was an immediate like, no, of course not. That makes no sense. I can't wait to these 7 and 14. And then I dug into it a little bit, Wes. I looked at the kind of players that that cap space would mean. Here's a list. Here's some guys that, that made about that last year and a year. One of them will be familiar. Kelly Oubre, uh, Christian Wood, a guy you and I have talked about. Marcus Morris, the person who made an impact in the playoffs. Uh, J.J. Redick, the, the name that we just swooned over. Brooke Lopez, Splash Mountain, somebody who's making a difference in the finals. So it's not that $15 million wouldn't make a difference. It would make a difference. But even after looking at it and even after kind of hedging it, right, so it's no longer a quick no, but after thinking it out, I'd still say no. Here's why. I still want the 7 and 14. I, I, I like that there's upsides there. I like that maybe we get lucky. Maybe Kaminga Falls. Maybe Davion Mitchell is a superstar. Who knows? I like the the lottery ticket aspect of having these guys. I like that we'll be getting two rotational pieces. Again, hopefully. You know, we don't know. But the real reason is what we just covered. And maybe it's because I'm being ridiculous. But it's because I'm hoping that we get our cake and eat it too, Wes. I'm hoping that these free agents, that $14, mm-hmm. $15 million of free free cap space just comes to us for free because they want to play for us for all the things that we just discussed in the last segment. And then we get to take seven and 14. So my, my answer is no, but maybe it's based on being um, a little bit too rosy outlooked. Yeah. I mean, what you just described is the absolute best case scenario. Let's say they take Davion Mitchell at seven and he's a home run and he's able to contribute right away. And I, by the way, I think you can, I've made no bones about that, but at 14, whatever you get a player, maybe plays maybe he doesn't and then in free agency with the minimum and the mid-level exception you can go get a reddick or you can get a kelly olenic or a patty mills or you know somebody somebody like that who can be helpful or kevin love right and then you don't have to worry about any of this here's the way i will frame it though you mentioned some of the names that signed last year here's some of the free agents that i think you could get into the you can get a meeting with with 15 million dollars uh if you're the warriors and so the way I would frame it is, would you trade the 7th and 14th pick in this draft for this player, right? Because that's, I okay. think, the right way to look at it. Yep. So going beyond some of these veterans, but these are guys who are a little bit younger, who can grow with the organization, who can help you right away, and who I think you could trust in a playoff set- setting uh, in, a, in a variety of ways. So the first guy I'll tell you is Tim Hardaway Jr., sixth man for the Mavericks for most of last year, ended up becoming the starter in the playoffs for them, high-level score, more efficient than people give him credit because he had a couple bad years with the Knicks. Um, rangy, not a really strong defender, but strong enough where he can guard a couple spots. I think you could play him with Stephen Clay. Would you Would you basically trade 7-14 and 14 for Tim Hardaway Jr.? In my job, my day job, there is a weird phrase for a deal that should have been made, and it's... A good deal leaves everybody unhappy. You know, one party pays a little bit more than they wanted. The other party takes a little bit less than they wanted. What you just described is exactly that. You know, it's like if I walked away from this draft, didn't have seven or 14, did have Tim Hardaway Jr., I'd spend most of it being like, well, good. It, I feel like that was good. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I, his skill set, yep. It's, I mean, it's, it's scoring, it's shooting, it's everything you just said. And is also remarkably unsexy, you know? So it'd be one of those, it'd, it'd give me a sleepless night. If they made that offer, I wouldn't immediately say yes. I wouldn't immediately say no. I'd toss and turn. Um, and I would need to know more about Davion Mitchell. Uh, yeah. I, my, like right now, I want to tell you no, but I think that's just because I like the nickname Off Night, you know? I don't really know anything about Davion Mitchell. <laughs> so it, I'd, I'd really have to consider it, but it's not an immediate yes. 
Yeah, not only would you have a sleepless night, but you would be monitoring Davion Mitchell and whoever else was picked in that range for like the next three to five years and being like, is this player better than Tim Hardaway Jr. yet? And do I care? Um, you'd be getting weird texts from me at like 1 a.m. I think I like his hair, it says. You'd, you're like, you know I'm talking about the players. You're not sure which one. It would be, it'd be a hard thing. It'd be a hard night. I think it would I, – I, I think that was a perfect explanation. Like, that was a perfect description of what this deal would be. I think this would be a deal where both teams are kind of like, meh. Like, because even Dallas would be like, 7-14, and 14, like, we kind of feel like we're ready to contend right now. Like, are these oh, yeah. picks really helping us? You know, and then – And they'd, but, they'd hope that we didn't take it. You know, it would be like that fantasy right. trade where you put it out there. Like, well, I kind of hope they don't accept it. But also I do. Yeah, it just – it'd be weird. A, a crisis of confidence. How about Dennis Schroeder? And I'll preface this by saying he could probably end up – He's trying to get more than $15 million. Yeah. But if you could magically get Schroeder for $15 million, point guard off the bench, he's the guy who can run your offense uh, when Steph Curry is on the bench. I'm not sure if you could play him with Steph and Clay, but maybe in today's NBA where multiple ball handlers, multiple shooters is more important than just defense generally, maybe you could. I think you would certainly experiment w- with it. Dennis Schroeder. I'm going to hire you in my day job because this is another perfect example another one of these like huh you know like again not really sexy enough to immediately jump on i'm more excited about schroeder if he's willing to dye his hair um or at least stop dyeing his hair because that thing has always really annoyed me there's a better chance i say yes to that so if i have to take one of those those deals i'm more towards dennis than i am towards hardaway jr Really, I think I'm more. I lean more towards Hardaway than Schroeder, just because I I know that I could play Hardaway in a couple of different lineups, and I'm not sure if I could do that with Schroeder, even though Schroeder's probably the better player. I I don't know. I don't know. How, we, ha- we have to say the connection to Golden State too, right? I mean, it doesn't matter at all. But you know, Tim Hardaway Senior played in Golden State. But I just yep. want to hear those words strung together while we're talking oh, about this player. I didn't even think about that. Uh, I I I don't want Hard. I don't want to write that story. That sounds boring to me. I I hate. <laughs> I I understand that the father-son connection is kind of fun, but then I'm, my editors are always like, hey, you got to write this. And I'm just like, there's like, okay, this guy has a dad who also played in the NBA and played for one of the 30 teams that are in the NBA. This is completely coincidental. It means nothing. Like, why do I have to write a story about this? And then I have to get in touch with Tim Hardaway. And that's a whole thing. I don't want to do that. I think it's um, so important that you hedge that, that you ultimately said, I hate the father-son story. I thought what you were going to say is, I just hate the father-son connection. It's like, well, you might want to see counseling as quickly as you can. <laughs> you know? and, and I don't that's know a different, if, if that's a different the green podcast. room is the best place to do that. I mean, I'm happy <laughs> right. to talk to you about it, Wes, but maybe not in front of our closest friends. Okay. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm with there you go. That's yep. an easier one. Um, and then his value took a hit a little bit recently, but I think his skill set, what he could do, yes, I'm on board for. As cool as off night sounds, Wes, off he'd go. I'm I am absolutely <laughs> down on it. Really. Otto Porter Jr. I don't know what happened to him. Um, I, so I guess <laughs> no. No. You know, I mean, I, I remember believing in his future that I remember thinking that he might have had injury concerns and then he's just essentially dropped off the map. And so he would be a similar kind of lottery ticket thing. You know, we're hoping on potential. And if I'm not, I don't why trade potential for potential. I, I would prefer have the two slots. Yeah. Otto Porter definitely fell off, but he was, he is a 40% career three point shooter. He's six foot eight, 200 pounds could probably guard small forwards and power forwards equally. He would unlock a lot of interesting lineups for the Warriors. You could play Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Otto Porter, and Draymond Green in a closing lineup. I don't know that I would trade 7-14 and 14 for him because it just doesn't feel like Otto Porter has any more upside to hit, though. And I, yeah. I think with, with, with what we're talking about, if Juan Descano-Anderson's three-point shot is real, then I don't think you necessarily need Otto Porter. And I think Juan Descano-Anderson, by the end of next season, could be considered the better player. Sure. Which sounds crazy, but Otto Porter did kind of fall off. All right, last one. Restricted free agent Josh Hart. No. Yeah. So defensively and shooting, um, but he doesn't have that upside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't – I mean, I, I've actually liked Josh Hart. I, I liked yeah. him 
in both places he's played so far, but he doesn't have the kind of potential I would like in a deal like this. You also, you kind of screwed me up. You should have crescendoed up to Dinwiddie. That's who I want now. In fact, I, I need you to somehow organize this trade. I understand that this is impossible, but I, I want you to figure it out. You're a salary cap whiz. Make this happen, Wes. <laughs> uh, Spencer Dinwiddie could happen in a sign trade. I mean, the Warriors could literally 7-14 and Kelly Oubre if he wants to play in Brooklyn. For Spencer Dinwiddie, that's the way it would work. From what I can tell, Ubre, at least based only on his quotes that have not been made to me, it seems like Ubre is not super eager to work with the Warriors in any way, shape, or form. So I wouldn't hold our breath on, on that. Uh, also, they can't do that because it would hard cap the Warriors if they were to acquire the player in the sign trade, which they can't oh. do. <laughs> so you're um, saying there's not a chance. I'm saying there's not a chance. Unless, uh, unless Spencer Dinwiddie wants to take the mid-level exception. Um, all right. Um... Uh, all right, I'm going to set you up for our fourth question. We've got five, we've got two more questions, but I, I love this question. The Warriors serial guy, explain. Let's go. So a while back, there was an exceptionally popular podcast. It was called Serial. So popular, in fact, it ended up having three seasons. The next two seasons sucked ass. First one, I mean, cultural <laughs> sensation, right? Um, and the, the idea of it isn't in particularly complicated. It doesn't really matter. They were solving a murder. But during that podcast, there was a moment when they were interviewing a juror and the juror just super randomly says, yeah, we all have someone in our life where if we had a body to hide, we could call that person and they'd come and help us out. And I remember first thinking like, is that really true? Like, I don't know if I have a body guy. And then it gave raise to this great question for me. I've actually done it in parties with friends. If you were in that scenario, you know, you had a body you had to get rid of. Who would you call? Which person in your life would you call? And really, I view it as two different questions. It's someone who can not only be willing to get dirty, do the dirt, get rid of the body, but then also if the cops, when the cops came and interrogated them, they'd be able to hold up to it. So that person, those two skill sets, that's the serial guy. The question for today is if you had a body to get rid of and you had to turn to this current Warriors team for a serial guy, someone to come and help you through it, who would you call? So there's our setup. I'm, I'm happy to go first. I'm happy to just sit back and learn, man. What do you think? Well, first of all, parties with you must be awesome if you're going around and talking, <laughs> and this is your your icebreaker <laughs> with everybody in the room. Um, you know what it does, dude? It, it allows you to judge people. I've watched, like, for example, we watched a, a, a married couple. And the wife looked at the husband and was like, you could pick him, but you'd be fucked because he can't organize at all. He'd lose the body hell of early, you know, or like <laughs> that she can't lie. At all. I mean, it's, so it, it, it's a way to judge people right to their face. So, yes, no, parties with me are really tense and difficult to get through. Yeah, usually I just scream at people about their peanut butter and jelly decisions. Um, <laughs> that's usually where I go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also have a person in my life. I would absolutely call my mother. For sure. <laughs> nice. She's 100% who I would call if I needed to do something like that. Um, on this roster, this is a really good question. And I think the my initial thing was Draymond Green, you know, yeah. because he loves kind of that, I don't know, I feel like he's he's got like that under, he's not afraid of the underbelly of, of society. Like he, he would walk into it with open arms and, and figure all that kind of stuff out. But he has a big mouth, and he would never he would he would absolutely start talking about how great he is at hiding bodies, right? And how everybody else who doesn't hide bodies is an idiot for not being able to hide bodies as good as he does. And if you don't really understand how to hide hide bodies, then you're dumb. Um, <laughs> Steph Curry would never do it. Clay Thompson, you would call him, and he'd be like, "I really don't want to do that." And then that would be the end of the conversation. Um, Past Warriors rosters, I would I would have gone with guy like Andre Iguodala. Yeah, most yeah, certainly yeah. a guy like Andrew Bogut or David West, Zaza Pachulia, any of those guys. Like I think all of them could have helped me. But this Warriors roster, a little bit younger, I don't really know. Um, I feel like if I were in Belgrade, then Alan Smilagic could be very helpful. In but in America, yeah. I think he would just take me to a Chili's. Um, <laughs> I, I I really don't know, and I kind of just land on he's still a part of the Warriors roster right now. Kelly Oubre. I feel like he knows things. He's been around the block, played for several different teams. He probably knows a lot of different people. 
and we know he doesn't like to talk about anything. And when he does talk, he just talks in circles, and you have no idea what he's saying. I and mean, that would be perfect. Fifty percent chance Kelly Oubre doesn't take your call, though. You know, yes. and like even if you call him like nonstop a thousand times, a bunch of nine one one texts, it does not matter. He's in the middle of like a photo shoot or something and can't be bothered. Um, so here, I'll start from the top because I love your analysis and agree almost across the board. Can't be Steph. You call Steph, there's a 95% chance he turns you in. You know, and it not not to screw you over. He's saving you. You know, like he he's he thinks that by doing that, he's putting you on the straight and narrow. He's sure as shit not helping you. Can't be Clay. Now I'd consider Clay, he's got the boat, you know, like he, he could get rid of the body. And he if had it in a conversation with the cops, the cops would love him. You know, he could talk about complete bullshit and people would not get suspicious. He could bust out a toaster and no one would think that was weird. The problem with Clay is good chance he just forgets to do it. You know, like he tells right. you he'll do it and then just never shows up. So if you're one of way. Clay's like three or four closest friends, he would step up and do it. But if you're outside of that yep. circle, no chance. Yeah. And and if you're outside of that circle, it's the worst case because he'd tell you he would and then wouldn't. And now you right. haven't moved on. You're just screwed. Draymond, okay, so your read is right. I, I do think he could get rid of the body. I do think he could get through the cop thing, although what you said is is probably on the money. My problem would be I don't think he would be willing to put himself at risk unless you are like his mom. You know, like you'd have to be right. like, you know, top two in his life, um, which leads to the people I would pick. So Steve Kerr, I've already used him. Something tells me Kerr's got a little shadiness in his life. You know, oh, Kerr, yeah. Kerr destroys the interrogation. You know, like everybody, he, he leaves there, everyone's best friend. There's no problem. The the shady portion of it, I think he can get through, but he's not my pick. Here's my pick. It's a random one. Ron Adams. There's something about <laughs> crusty-ass old Ron Adams that, like, just, of course he could get rid of the body. He'd be super steely with the cops, you know, like he, he could uh, – he could easily get through it. And I should not tell you this, Wes. I have no reason to shithouse this guy. But you mentioned Smiley. I went to a, an SF Giants game this week randomly with our mutual friend, uh, Resty Simmons, uh, former beat writer for the Chronicle. And we saw Alan Smiley. She must have had tickets to the game. And this is not an exaggeration. I think he spent at least four and a half innings looking for his seat. Like he, he literally just kept going to wrong sections and talking to the, to the usher. And like it, I, at first it was funny. And then by like the third or fourth inning, like I no longer could watch it. It made me feel awkward. So I, I don't know what was happening there, but uh, it didn't make me feel really, really good about, you know, the prospect of Smiley suddenly figuring this out if he can't find his seats. Uh, I can't believe I didn't think about the coaching staff. You're ab- I think Steve Kerr would be a home run. I think he would help you do it. I think he would. You're absolutely right. He would crush the interrogation. He would le- like the cops would be like, that guy is so charming and nice. Like there's no he's ever done anything wrong. But you're, <laughs> Why he knows exactly, bother him? He knows how to do it. Ron Adams, you're 100% right also. Um, that's a guy that'd be like, never. That guy? No, he would never. Like you wouldn't even, we even get- have to interview him. You yeah. Know? Like, uh, like he's, he's that guy in the murder mystery where we see in the first five minutes and they never show again. And then he's revealed as like, Oh no, he's the killer. Like you wouldn't even consider him at all. The one guy we haven't mentioned is Juan Descano Anderson. Yeah. Um, I think he would know what to do. Oakland born, like Oakland guy born and raised. You just, those, you know, they know things. He, he's you know, got connections in Mexico. I'd be you know, worried so about the country. He could. So like, if, it depends on who it's for, right? So yes, yeah. the, everything you just said is right. If he did it for somebody in the locker room, I feel like he'd do that rookie thing of like consistently reminding you that he took care of it for you. Like, you remember That's that time right. I did I did pretty well. Yeah, up. If you ever have another problem, you know, at some point you're just like, dude, stop talking. Like, okay, yes, right. he took care of it. Yeah, he does talk a little bit too much. You'd be like, you know, I do anything for my teammates. I would do anything like hide a body, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. You I, know? Wouldn't, I wouldn't. Yeah. I never and, I, and, and I would never use my Mexican connections to do it. But you know, if I if I had to, if I had to, I'm just saying. Right, it'd be like the OJ book. If I did it, this is how I did it. <laughs> All right. Um, last question here. Uh, I want to celebrate the Olympics one. a little bit because it's on top of mind. If you could play any Olympic sport, what would you compete in? And what I mean by this is not what you would, what would you want to compete in, but like if you had to play an Olympic sport, which one would you be the best at? Which one would you have the best chance, as minuscule as it might be? Oh. To win? Oh, okay. So I 
Love this question. It's not the question that I prepped for, but I still have an answer for you. Okay. So if I had to suddenly find myself in an Olympic sport, what I'd be aiming at is not dying, Wes. You know, like I, I'm pretty sure I'm not getting through like an Olympic swim beat or like a javelin throw. Somebody probably dies. So if we're looking for that, it's curling. It's curling a thousand percent. I've always thought I'd kind of enjoy curling. It looks like a drinking sport you do on ice. If there was like a curling bar, I would probably go at least once before, you know, heavily injuring myself and sustaining a concussion. So it is in fact curling. But do you mind if I expand this? Yes. Because, okay, so the question I also thought on was, if you could just suddenly be great at an Olympic sport, you know, I wake up tomorrow and suddenly my, my body is transformed and I could do any Olympic sport and be good at it. In that scenario, what I'm thinking is I am a super obnoxious track and field star. Um, and, and even more than that, I'm only in track. I'm running like the 100-meter relay, someone like Usain Bolt. And I'd be fast enough to actually set world records, but I wouldn't, Wes, because the back quarter of each race, I'd run backwards just to show everybody how badass I was. So that's <laughs> the kind of obnoxious shit I'm bringing to the table if I'm not stuck to the uh, to the curling fields. Um, curling is the right answer. I actually think I'd be good at curling, not just because of the drinking game kind of. Ver- I think I actually have a good feel of when to like sweep the ice. Like I feel like I would be good at that. <laughs> Like I wouldn't actually throw the thing. I would be the guy in front with the little the little broom in front. I think I have just a good feel for whatever it is that they're doing. I think I would just be naturally good at the sweep. I think you'd be demanding too. You'd be like that guy in the crew boat, like screaming at the rest of the brushers. You know, like I think you'd be really good. Um, and if I could um, be magically good at any sport, it actually would be crew. I think I would really, really enjoy just like fl- like when you watch them just like glide over the water. That to me is like so cool. I just I would love to just do that because I enjoy kayaking, but I'm not I'm not good like that. Obviously. Have you watched a lot of crew races? I feel like outside of that movie, social uh, uh, the movie about Facebook, I don't think I've ever watched any crew race. I feel like you could just watch crew like as a GIF, like it just looks the same always. Like you just have people <laughs> glide. Like there's no like obstacles that they have to jump over or things that they have to do or really any person in front of them that they have to maneuver around. Like they just sort of glide endlessly. I think if if you put on a screen a GIF of a of just like a three second GIF of a crew a boat whatever it's called just going, and you put on the TV next to it an actual live crew match race, I don't know, uh, it would look the same to most people. Before you get great at this, I heavily suggest you learn you know the terminology behind that. And I'd also like to say, you know, one of the things I look for when I'm looking for a new sport to watch. If it looks exactly like a GIF up on the screen, so you've nailed it, dude. I'm now a huge crew guy. Um, yeah, that probably was not my most um, convincing <laughs> argument on the podcast. That's okay. I'm still reeling from the possibility of JJ Reddit coming here, so it's you know it's there. All right, that'll do it for five golden questions. Uh, Bram Hillsman of the Warriors Huddle Podcast. Always great to talk to you. Uh, of course, thanks to everybody who jumped in and hung out with us on a Friday morning on Green Room. We appreciate that, especially considering it was a late notice because we were going to do this Friday afternoon. But instead, everybody was game and came in, and it was uh, very enjoyable to kick off our morning this way. And, of course, if you're listening on the podcast version, whether you're listening on Lockdown Warriors or on Warriors Huddle, download the Green Room app. Join us live. Like, why why do this on a recording and, and find us after? Like, you can listen to it as it's happening and, and join in on the conversation and and talk to us in the comments on all those kinds of things. So uh, we appreciate it. Bram, any final words? Um, none at all. I will go return to my Wi-Fi list car studio where things didn't work out. No, my, my final words are huge fun. I really appreciate your guys' patience. I apologize for the technological hiccup. Um, Wes, this is awesome. Let's keep this rolling. And if you want to find us on any kind of social media or the other show is at Warriors Huddle, as he has mentioned. Go Warriors! Let's uh, let's do this again next week. 